Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast was created to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and remember who you are, light and love. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Again, that's heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 371. In today's interview, you are going to learn the tools to develop self-compassion as well as the power of forgiveness. Welcome to today's interview. I've brought on Miranda Arie. Miranda, welcome. Hey, lovely to see you, Heather. Please give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I live in Leeds, UK. That's in Yorkshire. And I am a spiritual mental health coach. Um, I'm also a singer-songwriter and I run lots of mental health support groups as well. I work in, in the emotional recovery field. Well, and I think it's been become very evident, but even these last 18 months, so many people are talking about mental health and the isolation, what happened globally. But I would love for you to share kind of your own transformation and, and what has led you down this path even over the last year. Yeah, well, I've been on a really long journey with my own mental health. Like when I was when I was super young, I mean, I'm 37 years old now, but when I was 14 years old, I got very unwell with my mental health. I was having a very difficult time at home and I ended up getting sectioned under the Mental Health Act, which means I was forcefully put in an adolescent psychiatric unit and I lived in there for nine months um, as a 14-year-old girl. And I went on a really long journey with my own mental health on the receiving end of mental health services treatments in in the UK but I started to feel really pulled towards working in the field because I saw things that weren't working I started dreaming about another way of doing things and that's led me to where I am now I ended up working for lots of the leading mental health charities in the UK and just working my way up and up and up Um, and last year just before the first lockdown hit I started to actually work for the National Health Service here in England I don't know if you've heard of the NHS um, but it's like the the mainstream health service in the UK I'm working on developing and designing group work programs for people with mental health problems which are currently being piloted across um, lots of different GP practices in Leeds which is really really exciting and I'm bringing a really holistic approach in sort of infiltrating the um, cold medical model with like a, a warm spiritual approach essentially mm-hmm. and using the teachings of A Course in Miracles and running forgiveness workshops self-compassion workshops and yeah it's just been beautiful um, and my whole my whole world has completely transformed since I've really dedicated my life to my own healing and the healing of others. Well, and I like that. And I feel it's so important, a holistic and at the spiritual way, because I'm sure you're aware, but the Western medicine is about Band-Aid. Here's a pill. Here's a drug. Oh, yeah. People, you know, you numb out. And, and then, I mean, it's as I know of a nine-year-old that believes she needs CBD to go to, I'm um, sorry, she takes CBD for her, quote, anxiety, a nine-year-old. And then she takes, um, what was this? I think it's an M word before bed. What's 
M word? Like, is it metazapine or? No, that stuff that makes you sleep. Melatonin? Thank you. So she has like melatonin gummies. She now believes she needs those to sleep. And I was like, oh my God, what are we doing to the children teaching them at such a young age? And so I would love for you to share more about your own journey, but yeah, what led you to A Course in Miracles? Because that has been an ongoing theme in my latest podcast over these last few months. A lot of people do it. It's not for everyone. It's one avenue. It's one path. But I do love a lot of the course teachings, but I would love for you to share your experience with it. Yeah, so for me, you know, I found the course in in moments of deep suffering, and really deep suffering emotionally, um, lots of old pain coming up from my past. And I started the course probably about a year and a half ago to start with. And I managed to get to, because it's like a 300, if you haven't heard about it, it's like a 365 um, day, you do a lesson every day for 365 days. There's also two other volumes. But I started, I got to about lesson 35 and I just didn't carry on with it, you know, and my life got interrupted. But then I, I started going, um, getting uh, really struggling mentally again actually and and the suffering got too much and I reached back for the book and I've dedicated my life to A Course in Miracles now for 350 days so I'm 15 days from the end um, as we speak and yeah my whole life has just completely my world has completely turned upside down and um, both internally and externally yeah it's just been yeah it's pretty mind-blowing reflecting on that actually it's 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 pretty mind-blowing but the but the reason I got to that point was just because the suffering had got too much yeah too much well and obviously your external world has changed because if our mind is the cause of everything we experience as I recently finished several Neville Goddard books but and I think maybe the bible says this I don't know but as within so without mm-hmm. But I feel we've been so conditioned to do that reverse, to seek outside of ourselves, trying to change an internal problem. So, you know, and and that's what the course says. It's a, it's a mind training program. It's a shift in perception from fear to love, but how do you, you know, completely, it's a paradigm shift, but flip your world upside down to go, whoa, I've been doing this backwards. I mean, that's huge. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, I want to offer you some additional resources. Check out my website, heatherhakes.com and take the free life assessment. This is a great tool to take inventory in life where you're feeling in alignment and abundant and where you're simply feeling stuck, stressed out, or as someone recently emailed me, completely ruining their life. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. Again, check out my website, heatherhakes.com and click on course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one coaching. I will teach you what has taken me years and tens of thousands of dollars to learn in which you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free strategy call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching.
Now, back to regular programming. This is it, isn't it? Because I think that we're trained and conditioned in this world to believe that we need to seek approval from the external world. We need to seek our worth from the external world. We need to seek it in other people in situations and events, et cetera, et cetera, and bring that all in and achievements and labels and accolades. Whereas actually what A Course in Miracles teaches is my salvation comes from me. It cannot come from any of these things. And then what we start to recognize is that kind of mind-blowing space where we realize, actually, there's stuff that I need to release. Mm. This, you know, that's blocking this inner power, that's blocking this limitlessness that's within us all, that's just had conditioning built around it. And then we start to get into a process of release and getting rid of rather than trying to get from the external world and I love what A Course in Miracles says as well like you were just touching on there beautifully Heather about projection makes perception the external world the the outer world is only a picture of our inward condition Hmm. you know so so that it's about bringing this self-worth from within and 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 actually in truth recognizing our true identity you know what? And I, I learned so much by metaphors or, or giving real life examples. And the easiest one for me to relate to is health and fitness, because it's a huge industry. We're so obsessed with the body. But as an example, somebody who's overweight, the first thing they're going to try to do is a new diet or go bust their ass at the gym. They think they need to count calories, go two times a day, do an hour of cardio, And I'm not saying you don't need to do movement or maybe change what you're eating, but I think what's even more powerful is to understand the thoughts and emotions you're having that's creating the actions in which you numb out. Because I feel if you can nip that in the bud, become self-aware, change those thoughts and emotions, your actions and your literal body would change. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that foundation of everything the foundation of everything that we've manifested in our lives down to our fitness and our health actually it's all a reflection of our internal state and I love self-compassionate practice especially um where we where we start to to start to harness a really kind inner voice because so many of us we have this inner dialogue that's going off in our minds that's very critical and very judgmental and it's very can be quite abusive actually you know so many of my clients they talk to me about the way they speak to themselves in their heads and I'm like you're living with an abuser you're telling me you don't self-harm but you're harming yourself every day and you know self-compassion sort of flips that, that on its head and you know, it's interesting that you bring up the gym perspective because something I always tell people is, you know, people put so much effort into trying to get like biceps, you know, working out at the gym and after a while they'll get the body that they desire. But people don't put as much effort into their mental health. And it's about the recognition that we can work out the brain. We can change the brain just as we can our body. Just as we design our body the way that we want to by working it out, we need to start bringing that discipline in. And we need to start having a zero tolerance policy to to beating ourselves up. I would like, hold on, let's highlight that. A zero tolerance policy to beating ourselves up. Because you're right, it's that our own... I say it most of the time. It's like, I'm my own worst critic. I have this 
naysayer living in my head. And, and that's what sends you down the rabbit holes and gets you off track and makes you feel unworthy and not, oh, that's the sabotager yourself. Yeah, it tells you you can't when you can. So if we have honors at all times, an inner coach that we're bringing from within, and I suppose, of course, the miracles would call it the higher self. You know, if we have that going, you can, you're capable, you're strong, you're powerful, you're limitless. If we have that, well, well, where's the limits? Where are the limits? There aren't any. The the limits that we perceive, the limiting beliefs, they're all up here. You know, the world we perceive is only up here. We all see a different world. The, the way we perceive the world is it's up here. So it's up here that we need to change. Yeah. Well, and you're right because that's the energy we're exuding. So now if we're in this, and I don't think this is, you know, egotistical to have self-love. It's more like, no, this is, and plus when we're feeling that about ourselves, then we're going to love our neighbor. We're going to have more kindness and compassion. And if I'm doing that and the ripple effect with my neighbors and my family or coworkers, this world would be a different place. hundred percent, hundred percent. I really yeah. agree with that. It's like, you know, people always come to me and they go, but isn't self-compassion like selfish? And it's like, the opposite is true. Right. We have more love to give. We have so much more love to give when we are coming from a place of honoring, respecting, and loving ourselves, or or even just even just noting ourselves as lovable, worthy. Mm-hmm. And if we come from that place, we have so much more to offer. In fact, in fact, we have a limitless supply. We, we don't. We can't run out of love. You know, as long as we're topping ourselves up internally. Well, that makes me think of, you know, the saying, your vibe attracts your tribe. So if you are emanating from this newer, another way to say it is high vibe, high frequency, as Abraham Hicks calls it, or the emotional guidance scale, when you're at this higher vibe, you're going to attract different relationships, different friendships, different romantic partners into your life, because you're just emanating at this higher frequency and like attracts like. But something you shared with me, I would love for you to talk more of so that listeners can go, whoa, maybe that's the key to my suffering. You did a lot of forgiveness. Can you, can you talk about this emotional guidance scale where you used to be and then now less than a year where you're at now? Yeah. Well, there was, you know, literally a year ago, there was so much of the time where I was just touching down the bottom of the emotional guidance scale, like down at the bottom, we have unworthiness, guilt, shame, powerlessness, despair, desperation. So much of the time I was dipping down there. Of course, I was experiencing moments of joy, appreciation, but I was dipping down there and, you know, it, it was hard, you know, emotionally suffering a lot. When I started to study A Course in Miracles, it it has a huge theme within it on forgiveness. And I used to really misunderstand the term forgiveness because the societal teaching of the word forgiveness is that when we forgive, we give someone a gift that they don't deserve. And and when we when we you know we withhold forgiveness, we say they don't deserve forgiveness. So we talk about other people not. But but what of course miracles beautifully teaches is that that when we when we hold a grievance with someone else or a situation or with the present moment or anything, it's like we put that person in a prison. But because we're the jailer, 
we have to stand right by that prison, keeping an eye. And so we lose our freedom and we're still with that pain. So forgiveness is about, like we said before, that release of that letting go, that reaching higher, that that throwing off the baggage, the lightening of our load, you know, and actually shining a light on the dark. So for me, the forgiveness work has all been about going back to the places, not delving around in trauma, not creating an identity for myself out of my past pain, but being able to go back to those places, shine a light in a new light, see things in a new light and release and let them go and, and have the knowledge, the deep knowledge that everyone's always doing the best they can. And this is something that I wouldn't have believed a year ago. This is not something I would have got on board with a year ago. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, God, but someone has wronged me, then just allow the the thought room to grow. Because what A Course in Miracles teaches so beautifully is about sinlessness, seeing ourselves as sinless and seeing others as sinless um, and recognizing that everyone's true identity is love and that we're connected with each other as we are connected to source still. And so it's only ever someone acting out of their conditioning that would that would inflict harm and that we actually have a, a choice to be able to release that attack on ourselves, essentially, by forgiving. You know? And I think a key message there is I don't think people understand until you read the course and, and maybe other teachers teach this, but we're, we're all connected. And so we might be nearly 8 billion individual expressions, but we come from one source, whatever you want to call that. And ultimately, yes, by, by hating and being angry at your ex or your neighbor or your boss is a dick or somebody cut you off or whatever it is, you're literally throwing shit at yourself. And I love this saying, I'm going to butcher it, but, you know, holding on to anger and and resentment is like holding a hot coal or drinking poison, thinking you're hurting the, no, you're hurting yourself. We're hurting ourselves. Yeah. And, and of course, the miracles, one of the lessons is my grievances are an attack upon myself. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, um, that was life changing for me. Absolutely. Like it comes after like the first review period in, in, in the workbook for students. My grievances are attack upon myself. Well, yes, of course. And, and then we start to recognize as well that what we see in our brother of course, the miracles calls everyone brother, doesn't it? You know, but what we see in our brother or sister, it's only ever reflecting back to us something about ourselves. We need to hold a mirror up. We have to hold a mirror up. And then that's when we start to heal ourselves. This is how we start to suffer less. Because mm. essentially, the one goal that I have in my life now, which is very different to a year ago, I just want inner peace. I don't, I don't really have, yes, I've got lovely things that I like to do. I have hobbies. I love my career. You know, I have, I have dreams and aspirations. But if I have one goal and I had to sum up one goal, my goal is for inner peace because I know that from that space, everything falls into place. Okay. So that's um, inner peace. So I don't want to start judging and attacking on another because that's bringing the feeling of, of like you just described, actually, the point is poisonous. It's harmful for us, you know, to, to hold on to that. So it's about bringing in that compassion, but it starts with ourselves. 
It's very hard to hold compassion and love for another if we don't feel it towards ourselves. If we're feeling unloved by another, for example, we don't need to look at that person. That person needs to make me feel loved. No, we need to go, okay, what is it about me that has declared myself in the past unlovable? What misperception have I made in the past that I'm not lovable because of one of the situations that I've been through? And then we go back and we say, I am so sorry. I forgive you. And we forgive ourselves those misperceptions. And this is how we heal. We do not heal from saying, you need to do this to make me feel a different way from another. It doesn't work. Other people only act as reflections of things we need to heal. Every trigger that we experience in this life is an opportunity for healing. It's an opportunity for growth. It's shining a light on something within us that is unhealed, that's showing up in the present moment. And we need to grab that and go, okay, what is this really showing me? You know, because it sure as hell isn't isn't showing us to try and change another person. Preach. Okay. <laughs> So something on that, obviously misperception is key, but I remember my mom taught me this a few years ago and I was like that, it was kind of hard to, to realize it, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so right. So it is so easy to judge and point a finger that somebody is arrogant or, um, you know, cheap or pretty much any negative thing, right? But you can only see a negative attribute in somebody else that you don't like about yourself. And that was like, oof, that was hard. Oh yeah, it really is. It really is hard when you start to realize that and you start to just start holding that mirror up and going, what is it within me that is seeing this in the other? You know, what is in me? Okay, no, sorry to cut you off, but that's such a good question to ask when you can catch yourself doing that. You're right, hold up the mirror and go, whoa. You can call this a forgiveness opportunity, right? Oh, another forgiveness opportunity. Absolutely. And there's a beautiful um, Hawaiian technique. Have you heard of Ho'oponopono? Okay, I can't make this up. I literally wrote that down to ask you about it while you were talking, so... That's divine. Yes, I love Ho'oponopono, but for somebody who hasn't heard, share what it is. So Ho'oponopono, it's only something that I've been looking into very recently. I've been reading a book called Zero Limits. Is it Joe Dispenza that did that? No, uh, Joe Vitale. Joe Vitale, that's it. The two Joes, they're they're both legends, aren't they, in their own right? But yes, I've been reading a book called Zero Limits, The Teachings of Ho'oponopono. And essentially, it's like it's four lines, essentially, if we're, if we're to strip it back and make it very, very simple. And I've heard different um, I've heard different orders of the lines. But but essentially, I, I say, like, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I do it all the time. So like you said before, like someone cutting you up in traffic or something like that. It's my instinctual go-to. Just look at them. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I'm apologizing. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for judging you. And, you know, it's not always something in the other that we see that's in ourselves that we are, you know, if we see someone do something bad, it's not always that we have, we've got, we've done those bad things, but sometimes it's the way that we feel as a reaction to that is telling us something that is unhealed in us. 
So maybe we've been treated like that in the past. There's always a lesson to be learned and the universe will keep throwing you lessons until you learn them. So you will keep attracting the same person into your life. You will keep attracting the same feeling in your job. You will keep you will keep putting on weight when you don't want to. You will keep those those exact same patterns going until you learn the lesson that's going to keep showing itself to you because it's a beautiful way that the universe works not to punish you but to guide you yeah. and of course the miracles sort of teach us that we're permanently being given gifts you know that, that we that we have a choice in a moment to perceive either a loss or a gain you know like you said before the fear mentality or the love mentality where we where we you know perceive a loss we can choose to go, okay, I know I live within a loving presence. What, what's the gift here? What am I gaining? We have the choice in that moment. We honor the pain. You know, we can honor the pain, but it's about that choice to choose again. So for example, on that one, some real life stuff is, uh, you know, like if somebody got laid off, they're like, oh man, I just lost my job. But it's like, you weren't going to quit because you didn't trust you'd be taken care of. So you had to get laid off. You had to give a shove, a push to change you in a direction. You know, I love the saying rejection is redirection. Oh yeah, I love that. So even the same with dating and relationships. Yeah, it might suck and, and, and kind of sting for a minute, but you have to realize that I look at dating. I actually have a lot of fun with it now. And I'm like, oh, I, I just have so much more clarity, you know? a lot of great things, but I don't want that. And so it's like the next guy I meet, I'm like, oh, I, I got to bring these great traits and that's not quite it. You know, I feel like Goldilocks at times, but yeah. yeah, that life really is happening for you. You're not a victim because it's the internal creating the external. Oh yeah, that's it, isn't it? And, and one of the early on lessons in A Course in Miracles is I am not a victim of the world I see. Mm. I mean, if you understand that, you've, you've nailed the whole course. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, I am not a victim of the world I see. And this takes us, if we talk about the emotional guidance scale, it takes us bang smack from the bottom of powerlessness, out of control to the very top, which is empowered empowered you know i'm not a victim of the world i see that, that we can shift that perception and and it's about the faith which is also up there with empowerment on the emotional guidance got the faith the knowing the deep connection that we have with source the faith in source that we are always being provided for and i remember when i was younger i used to the one thing I wanted was faith. I remember I, I was just like, I wish I had faith. I just wish I had faith. I wish I had self-belief. I wish I had belief in myself. And now, no matter the level of emotional suffering I go through, you know, or, you know, sometimes past trauma, yeah, it, it's, it rises, you know, and we can still feel suffering. But it's the deep knowing to fall back on I know that this is a gift. Thank you. Thank you. What is this showing me? Thank you for this lesson. And, and when I go to that headspace, the problem is kind of solved <laughs> because we kind of, we kind of know what to do next. We're guided with what to do next when we surrender and, and we, and we take right action from the loving right mind. 
you know when we when we come from a perspective of faith even in even in what looks like external devastation oh my god this loss like you said before this loss all it takes is the recognition we live within a loving presence because we do we really do and our true identity is love how can i give love for this situation how how can i how can i shift this to a gain and i know it's super, i know it feels super hard i'm i'm not going to say that this is is just oh well, it's easy because sometimes we lose people and it can feel devastating that grieving process i understand that i understand that absolutely and you know so a lot of people go well this is not accessible this is not accessible for me because it's so painful but it's about that holding of ourselves like i said before the bringing in of the self compassion the self comforter and in those moments that's when our pain is transformed it's transmuted to peace and it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that we don't feel sad and and the aim is not to get rid of sadness we want to honor all the feelings coming up but we want to feel at peace because we can't we can't live life not accepting what is because it just is and the past has gone we we can't do anything about the past so it's about coming into the holy instant the present moment and allowing ourselves to accept what is and that includes the feelings of sadness it's not about trying to get rid of them you know it's about sitting with and the holding of ourselves through them and the compassion and the love that we bring through that practice it's not about just saying well i shouldn't feel sad about this because a lot of people misunderstand that do you know what i mean but it, it's it's about the the nurture and the love the bringing in the love when when all we see is devastation we bring in the love we bring in the comfort we bring in the higher self you know of course miracles would call it probably the holy spirit we ask the holy spirit to take our hand but the holy spirit is part of us it's internal it's not an external person you know like many religions might might believe it's of course miracles talks about the holy spirit within you know well so there's a few things i wrote down about that but i i want to touch on right there so many people my mom is the one that kind of pointed this out when i've talked or shared different things but you know a lot like a lot of people look up into the sky like god you know pray to god or to thank god it's like no that higher whatever you call it god source you know i call it uni infinite intelligence it's in us we are it and so stop looking outside of you there is no man in the sky but while you were sharing that story it made me think the key words to come from this feeling of powerlessness to going to empowered it's about here's what i got out of it reframing so asking different questions and that's the mind training but it's also what meaning do you give it an attachment oh yeah absolutely what meaning do we choose to give what is going on mm. you know of course the miracle says nothing i see means anything and it says it very early on in the course yeah. and it's like yeah i remember reading that lesson early on i was like nothing i see means anything but the course also says it says you don't have to believe things straight away it's just about do the lesson anyway nothing i see means anything you know and it's true it's the meaning that we give things and 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 this is where we start to realize recognize what is valuable and what is valueless mm. and quite quickly we start to recognize some of the things that we've given meaning and value the valueless 
they're, they're illusion almost. Well, the whole idea, something you touched on earlier, you know, we're seeking that external validation. And I think there's a lot of pros about social media. That's how we've connected. But also look at social media. It's just ego on steroids, wanting likes people will. And, you know, at TikTok, I got on because I have a young niece. And so that's a way to connect with her. And so I'm, it's fun. It's playful. But there's also a lot of people on there playing victim, getting attention. I think people get off on getting attention from that. So even in that situation, rather than me sitting here judging, which clearly I'm doing, I, that's a forgiveness opportunity, right? Like to have compassion for that person thinking that that's who they are. And and so if I could just, while I'm scrolling, have compassion, be like, oh girl, you are more than that. Or, you know, you don't, what do you say on that for social media? Absolutely. Like, well, if in doubt, give love. And, you know, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of the time, if we're scrolling through social media, because we're getting so many different viewpoints thrown at us, people's different lives, different aspects of personality, reflecting stuff back to us, et cetera, et cetera. And it's quite fast. It's quite fast, isn't it? So when we scroll through, it's one after the other. What I would always say is that we can scroll mindfully. We we can scroll mindfully and social media can be the most beautiful, positive, powerful place for healing. Like you said before, it's a glorious place to connect with others. And we can we can tailor make our news feed. I learn so much from Instagram. I follow such incredible people, yourself included, you know, who post such beautiful stuff that, that, that transforms my world and then I can share it, you know. But while we're scrolling, we have those opportunities. What happens is we notice, like you you just touched on, we notice that that trigger eyes, we're judging or we're thinking something about that person. And we can just take a pause and go, okay, I'm sorry. And we process the feeling. If we don't, if we scroll and we don't process any of the feelings coming up for us while we've done that scroll, we'll turn off that screen and we'll go away with all these feelings. But we can process as we go. We can look and go, oh, I just had that reaction. I didn't, I didn't you know, I, I had, a, I had that reaction. I mean, what is it about me? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to like it. <laughs> that thing that just gave me a negative, I'm going to like it. You know, or, or for example, we have those little opportunities. It could take a couple of seconds, but you, social media is a damn happier place to be. If we process all the feelings that we're having while we're scrolling through and we can have a very healthy relationship with social media in this way. And it is, yeah, it's, it's a divine opportunity for it because we're having in our faces, all we're having is judgments that we're making. We all judge. We all yeah. judge as human beings. But it's about witnessing our own judgments and taking ownership for them because anything that we judge in another, it's only something we're projecting. It's only something from within us. If we're assuming something about another person, we're assuming the reason they posted something or the reason they said something. If we're assuming... We only really are assuming something about ourselves, you know. So it's about that recognition and about using it as that opportunity and taking the pauses, taking those pauses to process the feelings that are all firing off so we don't walk away feeling anxious. (laughs) I like that a lot. You're right. And even my Instagram, I have tailored and cut back to a lot of accounts I follow because if it didn't make me feel good, I didn't want to see that. And so 
I, I'm very intentional with who I'm following. So here's what I want to ask you on this mental health topic and, and your huge transformation in, in less than a year. And it, you know, it took you a lot of suffering to want to make that change. What are your daily disciplines or what do you suggest for others that may help them in their journey? My daily disciplines. So A Course in Miracles has been vital for that with me because I do a practice period on the morning and a practice period on the evening. So I revisit the lesson. So I do anywhere between five and 15 minutes. I don't do it for ages. I don't go into long, deep meditation practices. And sometimes I'm guided by what I feel like on the day. Sometimes I'll sit with the lesson. I'll just think about it. My eyes open. Just think about the lesson. I'll witness my thoughts going off. I'll witness my ego's resistance, everything that is in that moment. And I'll sit with the lesson. And of course, miracles has been really great for that for me because I really like the sort of daily lesson a day kind of thing. Other, Other practices that I have, you know, making sure that I... I'm there for my friends is a really big one for me. Making sure that I reach out to others if I'm not doing so well, it's absolutely essential. And another practice that I've I've started really bringing in very recently because I noticed, I don't know if you've done much looking into attachment theory or attachment styles and relationships, but I noticed like an old attachment wound coming up with, with someone that I was sort of seeing And I really recognized that I had a real need to start to self-soothe more. I've done a lot of work with self-compassion, but now Mm. I make sure on a night I'm really check in with myself. I I check in, I check in at the end of the day and go, how are you doing? How are you Miranda? I I talked to myself, you know, people would think I'm mad if they watched me do it. How are you? How, How are you doing? How are you feeling? And I check in with my body and I'll ask questions. I'll explore. I'll be like, okay, why are you feeling this ten- tension in your heart? What's going on? I'll comfort myself. Mm. Oh, so you feel sad about that. It's okay. You're doing really well. It's okay. And I'll bring that in. It is so transformative to do that because we have to face it that in this life, the one relationship that we are ever going to have in our whole lives that is going to be there for us for the rest of time in our whole lives is the relationship we have with ourselves. It's the only one we can guarantee is going to be there for us for the rest of our lives. And I mean, parents and kids included Mm -hmm. the one relationship. So we need to make it a good one. We need to start treating ourselves like we would do a, a friend that we dearly love and care about. And when we suffer, we need to treat ourselves like we would that friend. Are you okay? We ask the questions. Oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry you're suffering. We, we bring it in and bringing that in, that check-in at the end of the day for me is so transformative. So, so, so transformative because I feel connected with myself. And when, when you know, especially people who've had trauma in the past, what tends to happen is because we haven't processed the trauma at the time, when it rises again and we get triggered, we have an opportunity to process it. And the processing comes from connecting with the self because we disconnect in terms of trauma because it doesn't feel safe to process. So the reconnection can happen when we bring in, I would say self-compassion is essential for trauma release actually, 
you know, it's not something that's broadly spoken about, but it's been transformative for me. So daily discipline, I would recommend for anyone, have a check-in with yourself, start to speak to yourself in new ways and offer yourself the comfort that you deserve. Because when we are suffering in any way, shape or form, even if it's a minor irritation, we deserve love and compassion, nothing else. No guilt, no shame, no blame, no unworthiness. You deserve love and compassion when you suffer. So make sure to bring it from the inside. We can't rely just on the outside to secure us. We need to learn to self-soothe. Well, and I love it. And I, I would invite people to figure out what works for you because there are so many modalities. I know as an example, even just journaling, I used to do that. Journaling, writing for me is very therapeutic. I, even when I wrote my first book, that was so therapeutic. Sometimes I just need to get up and move because a lot of times when you're in a funk, it's because you're sitting still attaching to that emotion rather than just observing and, and letting it go. So going for a run or walking in nature. I know another one, and this was so uncomfortable to do, but I did it. And then, you know, I could get over myself, but Louise, Hay, you can heal your life. I love Louise. Hay. she talks um, about mirror work. Do you know how I don't, maybe you've done it, but to get literally look at yourself in a mirror, look at yourself in your eyes and and, and say those things. And even like, I love you. And that was so foreign to me to start and then to do it. And it was like, Oh, it's stunning. Yeah. So that's just what I wanted to offer. There's so many different forms, find the one that resonates with you and, and yeah, check in daily. Yeah, connecting with the self. Yeah, writing is just so powerful, isn't it? The journaling process mm-hmm. that we can just sometimes free flowing writing. And yeah, it's so true what you say about moving the body because essentially emotion is just an energy and we don't want it to get trapped. We don't want it to get trapped. And, you know, I remember when, when I used to have like um, really difficult emotions rising, I'd feel like my body was in armor. It's the only way I could describe it. And I felt tense like this, but but sort of a shake off. Something can just be so, even if you don't feel like getting up out of bed, if you're feeling even really low and you want to just have a shake of your arms, you know, and a, and a deep breathe, just sometimes shift, shaking up that energy a little bit is so vital, isn't it? Yes. So I want to ask, because I feel like we've touched on a lot of different things today, the importance of forgiveness and mental health and self-compassion and reframing, et cetera. If you could summarize or give one key takeaway from our conversation, what would it be? One key takeaway. that we are one, that that we are one, that we are all connected in truth and and learning our true identity is about seeing our own sinlessness as we do our brothers. And, And that's where forgiveness comes in and recognize we're all connected. We are not separate from source, none of us, none of us. So we are one. And to recognize that in all our brothers, this is this is how we, we save the world. This is how we heal the world. When I'm healed, I'm not healed alone. Is what A Course in Miracles says. We do that work on ourselves. 
and this shines out and it reflects and we recognize that we are one. And and this is how we'll heal the world. This is how we'll come back together. And right now is the most powerful time to be doing this work because we've been forced into mass separation over the last year or two. It is something the world, we've not seen this before on a global level, which is, which is a powerful gift. I know, I know it's been hard for people, but it's a powerful gift from the universe that we've been given this forced separation. And now we are coming back together. Consciousness is rising in this way. And the recognition that we are one will support that further connection and lack of isolation, which, which is not something that we should should be encountering in this life. Come together. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I love that message. Oh. I'd like to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Sure. What is a quote or motto that you live by? When I am healed, I am not healed alone. Like I just said from A Course in Miracles, taking responsibility for healing, knowing that it shines out to others. Well, and I think that's something I've even heard before. Uh, I don't know how it's quite worded, but that whole quote, generational trauma, that we have the power to stop that, to break the, the chain and the cycle. Oh, yeah, we do. And we have the power is a really beautiful phrase to be using for it. We do have the power. We do have the power. But if we want to implement positive change on any level, that is about us giving the love for what we do want to happen over the hate and anger for what we don't. Because if we give hate and anger for the things we don't want to happen and the fear for what we don't want to happen, I hate this. We're feeding that. Yes. it's going to grow that the, you know, the, uh, you know, if it's another side, for example, they're going to grow in anger. Whereas if we just go, I would love this change to happen. First of all, it feels more harmonious in the body. And second of all, this is how we create positive change. This is how we create, this is how we be the change we want to see in the world. We give love for what we do want to happen over fifth, what we don't. And we can use this in our lives with little things, relationships, what we want to buy from the supermarket, whatever, whatever but we can also use this on a global level. We can use this in activism, you know? Great. Okay, what book are you currently reading or highly recommend? So I'm reading A Course in Miracles um, and I'm also just started reading um, a book on the Choose Again Method by Jerry Jerry Jampolsky and it's Teresa McGallagher who you synchronistically bizarrely had on your podcast very recently that you've just told me about it's really bizarre I connected with her in the Course of Miracles group less than two weeks ago and she put me onto the Choose Again Method so I'm reading a book on the Choose Again Method by Jerry Jampolsky and it's absolutely phenomenal based on the teachings of the course but yeah life-changing method which Teresa teaches absolutely stunningly what does it mean to what is that the Choose Again Method Ah, oh, the Choose Again method. I would recommend someone wa- watching the the um, the YouTube that Teresa herself has done okay. on the Choose Again method. So it's about recognizing that you're upset. Recognize it's a six step method. Recognizing you're upset. Number two, recognizing this feeling is all about me. I need to own this feeling. It's not about the other person or what's going on. It's the feeling. And then we, number three, we note what the feeling is. So you use a scale. It's not the emotional guidance scale. It's got a lot more emotions on what is the feeling. Is it rejection? Is it heartbreak? Whatever it is. Number four, 
we remember the first time we felt like that, we, we start to touch on this feeling is familiar. Where did I first start to feel like this? And we go back as far as we can. And then we go to that, that time and we say, what kind of person did I judge myself as at that time when I was rejected, for example? And then we forgive that misperception. We say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for, for, for telling you that you were rejectable just because someone treated you like that. And we forgive the misperception within ourselves. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. It, it, you know, I only heard about it less than two weeks ago, but I'm using it every day and I'm teaching it in my groups already. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal um, healing tool. Choose again method. I'd really recommend looking it up to anyone listening. Well, and I feel like it's an overarching method for giving a misperception. If, if I had to summarize. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, what advice would I give my younger self? Do you know what? I'd just give her the advice to remember that she is lovable the way she is, that, that she's worthy of love the way she is. And she's so lovable because I grew up with the, feeling that that love wasn't reliable and that I wasn't always lovable and I had to be or do something to be lovable to please someone who wasn't able to care for me all the time and it wasn't her fault at all you know and she had her own stuff on and that's what I'd tell her I'd I'd give her that advice to remember that she is lovable you know inner child works very powerful so I've kind of got to know my inner child very well and I think that's what she'd need to hear I love that. And it's a great note to end on. Miranda, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure, such a gorgeous pleasure to chat with you, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes or subscribe to my YouTube channel, Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.